Ah, that was a blessing. That was a blessing. I enjoyed it. Well, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Genesis this morning. Uh, Lord willing, we'll be doing uh, probably a five-part series on the life of Joseph. One of, the, one of the things we're going to look at that's interesting about Joseph is Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ. and uh, He just pictures a, a Jesus in a number of ways and, uh, and points to, to him. Uh, but that'll be one of the, the, uh, the, the later messages in, in, in the series. Um, and, and I really have one goal for the message this morning, using, using the life of Joseph. And the goal is this. To show that and demonstrate from the life of Joseph that in the midst of that which seems to be dysfunctional, God is still functioning. And we hear today, you know, of things like dysfunctional families. And probably every family. Because every family has human beings, every family has sinners, every family is dysfunctional at one level or another, I imagine. Uh, but you know, the devil does hate God's design for a family. It, it is under assault today. God's design for the family is under assault. And he's looking to tear it apart. And the family is in trouble, generally speaking, in our nation. Uh, but yet, God's vision is still there. The, his, his pattern is still there. The blueprint for his ways is still there. But you know... Uh, well, God gives his ideals, and we looked at some of those in, in uh, Sunday school this morning. We looked at Psalm 127 that talks about the Lord building the house. And, and certainly God gives uh, so many different uh, uh, great instructions uh, to the things that, 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 that he loves, and he loves the family. But you know, when those ideals maybe don't come to pass, when they don't play themselves out or when the stage isn't set perfectly according to, to what we would maybe like to see it, even according to the scriptures. Now, I think sometimes we think it's all or nothing. I think, I think sometimes we think, okay, if I don't have the perfect family, then it's no good. If, I don't, if, if my family is dysfunctional, then God no longer is working or working through our family. And that is not true. That is not true. And uh, if, if God was looking for a perfect family to work through, then I guess he just wouldn't have any, any families to work through, right? And uh, sometimes those families, you know, they get together and they have the nice smiling picture on Facebook. There might be going, some things going on behind the scenes that you, 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 you didn't really imagine as you saw that nice, uh, that, that nice happy veneer, right? Um, it's not to say, you know, that, that that's always disingenuous, but you understand what I'm saying is, uh, is, is Joseph gives us an example of the fact that in a very dysfunctional setting, God was still functioning. God was still functioning. And so if you want to turn to the book of, uh, initially, uh, to Genesis chapter 37, keep your place there and go to Genesis 50. Go to Genesis 50, because we're going to start sort of at the end of the story, and we're going to look at, a, at a, a, just a remarkable, uh, astounding, watershed truth at the end of the story that will give us the framework or the point of reference for, for the rest of the story as we go through it. And initially uh, here this morning, sort of as introduction, but a message unto itself uh, as well. So Genesis chapter 50, let's look at verse 19. Uh, Genesis 50, verse 19. It says, And Joseph said unto them, Now, you know who he was talking to. He was talking to the rest of the members of his dysfunctional family. 
That's who he was talking to. And, uh, and Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Now, if Joseph had chosen to play God here, it would have been bad news for the rest of his family. It would have been bad news for them. But he said, you know, you can relax because I'm not, I'm not going to play God in this situation. In fact, I'm going to look to God and I'm going to speak on God's behalf from his heart as to what he's infused into my heart regarding this situation, regarding this dysfunctional family uh, that I'm a part of here. Because he says this in verse 20. But as for you, you thought it evil against me. In other words, he says, you know what? Dear family members, I know that you had some bad intentions towards me. And you acted upon those bad intentions. And I can see that, that you know, the way that you treated me, if I were to be honest about it and go on about it right now, there was a lot of injustice involved in that. And he says, but as for you, you thought it evil against me. You thought evil and you did evil things towards me. But God, but God meant it unto what? Good. You say, is he talking about those very same things? Is he talking about the very same things that happen in this dysfunctional setting, in this dysfunctional atmosphere, in this family that was messed up? Those very things were meant for Joseph's good? Well, that's what he said. That's what he said. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass. <laughs> And that means, you know, that, that when, as God functions, you don't always see it out of, right off the bat. You don't always see it right at that moment. I mean, God is bringing some things to pass. And it is a process. Many times it takes time. And many times it's hard to see at the time. But he said, you know, God had some good that he wanted to bring to pass. As it is this day, to save much people alive. You know, if Joseph had not had that attitude, if he had missed that truth about God, a lot of things would not have come to pass through God's working in his life that did come to pass. And it's a remarkable truth that we're going to look at more this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd help me now to uh, just proclaim these, uh, these truths from your word of clarity in a way that will be helpful to us all. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go back to uh, chapter 37, back to the beginning of the story, as it were. Uh, Genesis chapter 37. Functioning in the midst of the dysfunctional. The first thing we're going to see here is that there was a dysfunctional home. There was a dysfunctional home. It says in verse thir uh, 37, verse 1, and Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. So it's going to talk about J uh, Jacob's family. And it speaks here of our main character, Joseph being how old? 17 years old. All right. And uh, do you remember when you were 17 years old? Okay. Do you remember what your thought patterns were like? You know, the things, that, the, the, the changes that were going on in, 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 your, in, your, in your life, in your heart. Um, the challenges of life of a 17-year-old. And uh, do I have a 17-year-old right now? 
No? I got every age except that right now for, for sons. I don't have a 17 year old, but you know, 17 year, years old is what, was what uh, Joseph was here, so picture him as that. Think of the 17 year olds you know. Picture Joseph, he was 17 years old, real human being. He was feeding the flock with his brethren, uh, the lad and the sons of Bilhah, the sons of uh, Zilpah, his father's wife. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. So what is Joseph doing? Well, yeah, you know, you can kind of see what's going on here a little bit. We have different names for this, you know, squealing on his brothers, uh, something along those lines, right? He's bringing back an evil report. And he probably didn't preface it by saying, you know, I really appreciate so much about my brothers, but they did some bad things today, even though they're, they're generally great guys. He probably didn't say that. He probably just went and said, Dad, you know what my brothers are doing, right? And, uh, and he proceeded to do that. Uh, and 17-year-old uh, uh, Joseph here. And brought unto his father the evil report. Now Israel, catch this, loved Joseph more than all his children. And it'd be one thing, you know, if he, he, he enjoyed Joseph more, but he kind of kept that to himself, you know. But, but it seems as though this is something that became generally and clearly known. All right? Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. He made him a coat of many colors, which we know became symbolic of that preferential treatment. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they, what? They hated him. They hated him. And if you think of it, you know, brothers, if, if no one else has your back, your brother should have your back, right? But yet their brother, their actual brother hated him despised him, wished ill upon him. And that's a dysfunctional family there, isn't it? And, uh, and they could not speak peaceably unto him. They couldn't bring themselves to speak in a, in a decent manner to him. They hated him so much. And Joseph dreamed a dream. We're going to talk about these things more in, in, in detail in another message, but it's getting kind of a generality here to the setting. And he dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren. And they hated him yet the more. And so, if he wanted to win points with his brothers, he probably shouldn't have told them the story about how they were going to bow down to him. All right? He probably should have kept that to himself for a little while, at least, until things were ironed out a little bit with him. But uh, he did tell them. He said to them, and, 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 and we know, um, he says uh, uh, in verse 7, he gives, he gives a, the, the, the dream that he's seen. Then in verse 8, his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed another dream. And certainly this time he would think, learn because, you know, I told him the, the, the first dream I had, that, that didn't go over real big. So maybe, maybe I won't talk about this one. But he, but he did. Um, and, it, and in verse 11 it says his brothers envied him. And his brethren went to feed their flock in Shechem, verse 12. And Israel said to Joseph, Doth not the brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Your brothers are out there working, Joseph. I know you're not working because you're my, you're my little pet, but they're out there working. And come, I'll send thee unto, unto them, uh, right, the golden child. Uh, send thee unto them. And he said, uh, Here am I. And he said, Go, I pray thee. See whether it be well with thy brethren. Go get a report about what your, your good-for-nothing brothers are doing out there. And while with the flocks and bring me word again. So he sent them out the vale of Hebron. He came to Shechem. And so he goes and finds them. And then in verse 18 it says, And when they saw him afar off, they were like, You know, we've been pretty hard on Joseph. And he's probably bringing us some, some snacks. Let's be nice to him, guys. You know, he's a pretty good kid after all. 
When they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired to slay him. That's a pretty dysfunctional family. I mean, you know, I guess we had some rough times in, in our family, but that I know of, that I know of, none of them ever conspired to, you know, to do what they were doing here. Um, and they said to one another, Behold this dreamer coming. Here comes the dreamer. Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And uh, we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And so we know what happened. They ultimately ended up uh, sparing him. And that seemed, you know, I guess, I guess in comparison, they seemed really nice. They didn't kill him. They just sold him to slave traders. And then they killed an animal, uh, put blood on, his, uh, on the coat uh, that his dad had given him, and took to it and deceived their dad. And they deceived the dad. All right. So would you all agree with me? This is a pretty dysfunctional family here, right? It is. And, uh, and we can see things that are going on there. there, there there's favoritism. Um, there's jealousy. There's hatred. There's betrayal. And there's deception. All the components, really, of, uh, of, 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 of a setting that would not be conducive to, humanly speaking, to good of any sort. And so take that and, 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 and take that setting and think about what, what Joseph said later. You meant it unto me for what? For evil, but God meant it for good. And so the question is this. Was God still functioning amidst the dysfunctional there? Well, we know, we see the whole story there. We know that, that he was. But I got to tell you, when Joseph was thrown into that pit by his own brothers at that point, and then he was on that long trek from there to Egypt with that slave train, do you think it was awful clear to him at that point that God was, was working in his life? Do you think he was thinking, I'm rejoicing in the Lord today because all things work together for good for those who love him are called to corner his purposes. I don't know if he really was thinking that the whole time. But we are going to see in another part of the series here that there must have been something that happened to Joseph during that time that ultimately brought him to the truth that he proclaimed and encapsulated there in, in chapter 50 in, in verse 20. And so certainly there was a dysfunctional family here. And you might say, you know, i, I got to say, I mean, my family has a lot of problems. And it's hard to see in my family sometimes that God is doing anything good. And there's times when I feel like my family is the, the ones that, 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 that despise me the most for some reason. Uh, sometimes I feel like in my family, there, there's nothing that's ever going to come that's going to glorify God. It seems like there's been a lot, of, a lot of, uh, of brokenness in my family. It seems like there's been a lot of destruction, a lot of hurt in my family. The very people that I thought I could depend on have betrayed me. Well, that is part of the brokenness of this world. And there's no doubt about it, there's a lot of hurt that goes along with that. I can guarantee you, Joseph was wounded deeply. But let me encourage you with the fact that God knows your situation. And God, for what the devil and others might mean for evil in your life, God wants to work it for good. Amidst of dysfunctional, God is still functioning. The second thing we see in the life of Joseph, just a little overview here with this thought in mind, is we can see that he went from a dysfunctional family to a toxic work environment. A toxic work environment. How many of you here have a job that you go to uh, 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 during the weekday? You go to a job that you go to, okay? So you know about a work environment. 
And probably you could all say that, you know, your job has always been utopia on earth. Because you just have one of those jobs that's like every day going to work is like a little slice of heaven. And you can't wait to get there because everyone's always so nice and cheerful and encouraging 100% of the time. And uh, it, it just, you, you almost don't want to go home from work. I mean, this is so good, I just want to stay here forever. How many have a job like that? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for, thanks for that testimony. Not everybody could say that. Um, and it is good to have a job that you enjoy. Uh, but uh, let's look at, 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 at chapter 39 here. Chapter 39. Chapter 39. So Joseph was taken and he was bought by a very uh, influential man and he became a laborer. He became a hard worker in this man's home. And it seemed like it could have been a great situation. It seemed like it could have been a really good job. But look at it in verse uh, 7. It says, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. You know what that in entails, if you're of the age, you know what that entails. And it says here, verse 8, But he refused, and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master, uh, what if not? He doesn't know uh, what, is, uh, 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 what is with me in the house. He hath committed all that he has to my hand. He trusts me here. There is none greater in his house than I, uh, neither hath he kept back anything from me uh, but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now look at this. Verse 10. And it came to pass as he spake to, jo to, to Joseph. What's it say? Day by day. Day after day. Day after day, this increasingly toxic work environment. It's one thing for him to have to put up with it for one day get that resolved, get it taken care of, and move on. But here there was a work environment where day after day after day, Joseph had to put up with this foolishness. Had to put up with these innuendos. Had to put up with this temptation. Had to put up with, with this person that, that, that wanted to, to entrap him and, and get him into a, a compromising situation. Day after day. And you might say, you know, I can kind of identify, not maybe the same sort of scenario, but just being, feel like I'm trapped in that situation where day by day I have to deal with a toxic environment. Now look, sometimes God's going to make it so we can get out of that sort of, that sort of situation. Sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. Sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. You know, sometimes, as, as, you know, in Joseph's situation, that was the job that God had given him. God had allowed him to be there, and he, he had to deal with it. He had to deal with it. There wasn't any getting out of it at that time. And, uh, and so uh, you can see that, that, that it, was, it, was a, it was a terrible thing for him to, to, uh, to work through. And so verse 10, It came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her to be with her. Verse 11, It came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do uh, his business, going about the things that, got, that he had on the, on the, on the to-do list for that day for his master. And there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And that's a, that's a great picture right there of uh, what we need to do if, if, if sin is closing and temptation is closing in on us. Get out of there, right? And it's like the song that Ron Hamilton used to sing there. Put on your running shoes, right? Put on your running shoes and get out of there. That's what Joseph, uh, that's what Joseph did. He's a man. I mean, he's made out of the same stuff other, every other man's made out of. Then in verse 13, 
came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth. Now this is where you can see she really loved Joseph. You know, She really loved him. Look at what she did here. It came to pass when she, when, uh, when he heard that, uh, uh, sorry, verse 14, she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, we have brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and, cried a little, and I cried in a loud voice. He was trying to take advantage of me. He was trying to get me in this compromising situation. So what's she doing? Joseph tried to do right, did what was right, withstood the temptation. Day by day in this toxic work environment, he did what's right. And then what happened? He was falsely accused. How about that? How about it when you do what's right and you're still, you know, you're still, you still get in trouble. And, uh, and so she basically said, you know, that he, he forced himself uh, uh, on me. And, uh, and then we know what happened there. It says, uh, um, it came to pass. I lifted up my voice and cried, and he left his garment with me and fled out. Verse 19, it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which he spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. Um, now, we look at that and, and we say, wow, you know, that's, uh, that, that's terrible. And God must have forgotten about him at this point because, uh, you know, he didn't really help him much with his brothers. Didn't help him much there. He didn't help him escape from the, the, uh, the, the slave train. And then he gets in this, this work situation here and he's trying to do his best to do what's right and God doesn't look out from there either. I mean, it just seems like, you know, problem after problem, and where's God? Well, look at verse 2 of chapter 39. This is, this is astounding. Verse 2, the first phrase there says what? And the Lord was with Joseph. You see, you have your definition of what it should look like for the Lord to be with you. You think, if the Lord is with me, then all of these things are going to line up perfectly the way that I want them to line up. You have your way of describing what it would be like if God was truly with you. Now, what did it look like for Joseph? Would God be with him? Probably not the way he would have written it out, right? Not the way that he would have humanly speaking, described it. But yet there it is, as clear as day. Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. And he was. And he was. And somehow, through the eyes of faith, evidently, Joseph knew that. And Joseph could see that. To the point where no one else would have blamed him. Hey, look, you've had a hard time in life, and you know, you had a lot of bad turns. You should just take whatever pleasure you can get out of life. Nobody probably would have blamed him for that. But he said, no, I'm not going to do this wickedness in the eyes of the Lord. God is with me. God's with me. I'm going to continue to do what's right. And it may seem like this is a toxic, dysfunctional situation, but God is still functioning. God is still functioning. And so that's a setting number two. And then number three. We had a uh, dysfunctional family. We had a toxic work situation. And number three, an unjust system. An unjust system. 
Because we know that, that uh, uh, Joseph had not done anything wrong, and evidently the, the master there just pretty much ha was able to arbitrarily accuse him. And without really much due process that we can see, uh, see described here, what happens? He stands accused, condemned, and imprisoned. And so let's go uh, there. Uh, and uh, it says in verse 20, uh, chapter 39, And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. What kind of a prison? A place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there uh, in the prison. He was there uh, in, in the prison. And, and, uh, and the Lord was with Joseph. <laughs> Verse 21. You see that? But the Lord is with Joseph. Now, he was put in the place where, the, where, where those that, that had wronged the king were put. That's what it says. The place where the king's prisoners were bound. And so, do you remember that, that, that Joseph was loyal to his master? He was put in a place where disloyal people were put. Do you remember that he was very faithful to his master and did his work in a conscientious, trustworthy fashion? Do you remember that? He was put in a place where treacherous, treasonous people were put. He was put in a place uh, where, where those that were not due any honor were placed. A particular disgrace to Joseph's name. A stark injustice as far as Joseph was concerned. Now, could I propose to you today that a lot of the people that are crying injustice actually aren't honorable people? Is, is there that possibility? You know, Joseph was an honorable person, and he suffered great injustice. And you would look at that and you would say, you know, I mean, I can look at that account and if I didn't have it sprinkled in there, you know, about the Lord being with him, I would not say that the Lord is with him. Betrayed by his family. Sold as a slave. Falsely accused. And then in an unjust system, he's placed in prison. But we can see, again, just as clear as anything, God's word says, I mean, no uncertain terms. God takes the time in this narrative to say this over and over again. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord is with Joseph. The Lord is with him. And I can, I can imagine in a group this size, you know, that there's, there's those that are, that are suffering some injustice in their life right now. I have no doubts about it. You're being wronged. There's some things that are unfair going on in your life. And, and that's hurtful. That, that can defeat you. That can get into your heart and that can make you an angry, bitter person. That can take you to, to dark places. That can make you feel discouraged and despondent and defeated. That can make you think the devil's having his way with you. That can make you think just about everything except God is with me. <laughs> In the dysfunctional, God is still functioning. You know, the Bible says God has no respect of a person. And do you believe that he had a greater interest in his heart for Joseph than he might have for you? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think God looks at you with the same love and the same particular personal plan that he had for Joseph. And the thing of it is, he's looking for us to come to that point of saying, you know, Lord, I trust you. 
I trust you when it seems even like there's no possibility you could have been a part of this. When people around me are doing anything but that which is godly. When the environment seems toxic. When the situation seems hopeless. When the system is corrupt and unjust. Lord, I still trust you. I still trust you. And we can do that. Even in, in the midst of this fourth thing, which might be, in some senses, one of the hardest things to, to endure, and that is an unfaithful friendship. Now, probably the, the family rejection would be, I will say probably worse. Probably worse. But you know, David talked about a, a scenario in which it was hard to deal with people attacking him, but he said, then he said, you know, it was especially hard to think of the one that I walked with and communed with and shared with, and I thought we were, uh, I thought our hearts were melded together when he betrayed me. That was really tough. That was tough. And it is tough. It's tough when a friend lets you down. It's tough when a friend betrays you, but that happened to Joseph as well. And you can see here some of the things we're probably going to talk about later that it kind of point, you know, that it's, it's, it, he's a picture of, of Christ and some of the things that Christ went through. But in, uh, in chapter 40, chapter 40, we'll, we'll, we'll end with this one, just these dysfunctional uh, situations and settings. But it says in chapter 40, verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended the Lord, the king of Egypt. And so, you know, this was, a, this was a, a prison which those who offended the king were put into, right? They weren't loyal to the king. I don't know what they did, but they offended the king, and they ended up in the same place as Joseph. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers, against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in a ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season in ward. And they dreamed both of them, in verse 5, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which are bound the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. You can see here that Joseph, even though he had his own problems, he was still aware of what others were going through. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sad, sadly today? Now, we know that at that point, they were able to share with Joseph, and Joseph helped them there with the interpretation of their dreams. For one, the dream meant a bad ending. <laughs> For the other, the dream meant a good ending. And so he said to the chief butler, you know, uh, um, he said, uh, uh, would you, when you get out of prison, which you're going to according to your dream, and we've been friends here, and, I, and I've been able to help you with this, and it was a privilege for me to do that. I looked at you and you were sad, and, and, and because you were my friend, I cared about that. And, and uh, you know, I spoke up and I tried to help you, and, and God allowed me to help you. And I'm going to still be in prison, and you're going to get out of prison. Hey, look, when that happens, would you do me a favor, my friend? My friend, would you do me a favor, and would you put in a good word for me at that point? And I'm sure probably the butler was like, hey, yeah, man, this is great news. You've been a good pal. You've been my friend. If I can ever help you return, you know, that'd be good. No problem. I would love to do that. All right? Uh, and so then in verse 20, in verse 20 it says, And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants. And this is the, 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 the chief butler's time to, 
to, to shine, right? Uh, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler, the chief uh, baker among his servants, and he restored the chief butler under his butlership again. And he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker. I told you his dream wasn't so good. Um, and as Joseph had interpreted uh, to them, and then in verse 23 it says this, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. It's like, thanks a lot, pal. I helped you, and I led you to great news, and the great news has been accomplished, but you as my friend couldn't even think at that point to return the favor a little bit. And, uh, hey, I'm sure we've all had situations like that. <laughs> we've had situations where we thought, you know, I thought that person was my friend, and I tried to be a good friend to them, and look what happened. I got burned by it is what happened. I got burned. They let me down. And, uh, you know, at times like that, if, we, if, if, we're, if we've set our heart on depending on people, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna crash at that point. But if through that we can see that God is still functioning and he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, we'll be okay. We'll be okay. And, and Joseph was still okay uh, there in prison to the point where it came time for that time when he was out of prison and I'll just summarize it here because this is going to lead into to further lessons from the life of Joseph. This is, this is part one. So Joseph ultimately does, does get out of prison. And he is, is put in a position of great favor by, by Pharaoh. He's second in command in the land. He's in charge now. Pharaoh said, whatever you got to do, whatever you got to manage, you just take care of it. I'm going to be off on my, you know, my summer home somewhere. You just take care of it, uh, Joseph. And lo and behold, some guys show up looking for help. After all those years. And they didn't recognize him in the attire of his office, but he sure recognized them. You know who it was? It was those scoundrel brothers of his. Oh, man. What an opportunity. What an opportunity for retribution right there. And there's going to be times in your life, you know, when people have wronged you, and it seems like God has left you, and you have a chance to take matters into your own hands and get what's due to you, you're going to have a decision to make there. And the decision comes down to this. Are you going to look at it that... That which people meant for evil to you, God must have meant it for evil as well. So fool you with it all, you're just going to do what you want to do? Or are you going to say, you know, even vengeance belongs to the Lord. I'm going to trust him through this. That he wants to take this and he wants to use all of this to save many alive. I'm going to trust him that he is about life when we tend to be about death. I'm going to continue to trust God. And so that passage that we started out with, let's just end with that again. In Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. If you don't have that underlined already, underline it. Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. We'll be building on, on these, uh, these scenarios more in the coming weeks. But here, Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. Think about these words again. And Joseph said to them, Fear not. For am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought it evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people 
alive. Look, don't miss what is over that horizon that God has for you. Don't miss what is over that horizon by not seeking to move forward with Him now. Continue to trust Him. He's blazed that trail. And like our climb yesterday, there was a lot of rocks and roots and obstacles and things that, you know, I got to a point where I, I really didn't want to climb anymore. But I knew when I got to the top of that Avery Peak that there was going to be a sight for me there that I'd never seen before that was going to be glorious. And uh, it was worth the climb. It was worth the climb. I'm glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad I did it. And so the same, that's just an illustration. You know, God has some things for you. God has some things. But you've got to stick with his plan. You've got to know that he's functioning, even though it may seem dysfunctional at the time. Let's pray.